Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to The Messy Truth, conversations on photography. Today, I'm talking to Sarah Obayas. Sarah is an incredible photo editor with extensive experience in both brand and editorial spaces. Her career has seen her work in photo departments at Apple, Airbnb, Wired, Art and Auction and Modern Painters. Motivated by photography's long history of preventing cultures from representing themselves and the dire lack of diverse storytelling in the industry, Sarah founded Listo, a platform devoted to dismantling colonial tendencies in photography. Listo is profoundly celebratory and it builds curiosity through interviews, group shows and industry talks. In this episode, we talk about the importance of speaking out, how to approach picture editors, and the liberation that comes from building your own world. I really wanted to kick off by asking you how you're feeling about picture editing and commissioning in this moment. Well, you caught me on a very good day because I am feeling really good about it currently, Um, especially this past week. I feel like photography and commissioning and pitching has just been constantly evolving. And I'm seeing a lot of changes within the industry. I'm seeing a lot of really great work that's coming to the surface now. Um, And I feel in a lot of ways, the veil has sort of been lifted. I think there was a lot of secrecy before about how people commissioned, who and what. And now I think with all the call to action and for more diverse storytelling, I think there's more conversations that I've seen happening, um, just being really upfront about the dynamics of the industry. It's so interesting what you said. I think photography has such a long history of preventing people and cultures from representing themselves. And you've always been such a fierce advocate for broader representation. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what your experience has been like uh, while you've been actively confronting that lack for many years. Yeah, you know, it's been a total journey. Um, I have been in the industry for close to 10 years And for quite a while, I felt as though even me being present in the room, having the jobs that I did was almost an act of resilience um, and protest because most of the times I was the only person in the room who was not white. And then over probably a few years, I started to get more comfortable and be more vocal. And so a lot of my experience was sitting in rooms with gatekeepers and trying to convince them to let people tell their own stories or to hire um, different types of photographers. So 
it's been very challenging. Luckily, I'm a very stubborn and resilient person. So I really fought, you know, my whole career to pitch diverse photographers and to advocate for just better practices. And it hasn't all, you know, been negative, but I would say, you know, quite broadly, it's it's been a lot of feeling very invisible. But a lot of that is starting to shift now, which is really great. How did you navigate breaking into the industry? Because I know I found it so tough here and I would definitely still say that I'm very much an outsider I've really I've really observed in sort of the 15 years I've been working in the industry a real tight grasp by the gatekeepers Mm -hmm. in the editorial space specifically you know people are not willing to open up that turf and it really surprised me because actually coming from commercial photography I found that to be quite a collaborative space it has its own issues absolutely but it it was a very collaborative space and I kind of anticipated that editorial being even more community-based in some ways but I found the absolute opposite I find it really difficult to penetrate it is so difficult I basically I fell in love with photography in high school Um, I had an incredible photography teacher in high school and I was in New York, so I was exposed to just some incredible photography shows that were happening while I was in school. There was a Larry Clark retrospective at the International Center of Photography. Um, Diane Arbus had her retrospective at the Met, um, the year where I sort of became in love with photography. And I went on to study in college, and I just learned very quickly of how insular the world was and how privileged it was and that people who were working in the industry were pretty much all working because they had family connections or money. So as soon as I became, you know, infatuated with photography in high school, I immediately started applying for internships. I literally just built my career from scratch, no connections, no generational wealth, just my passion and skills and determination. Yeah, I remember I found Saka Magazines. I found the masthead and I just started emailing every single editor I could to try to get an internship. And I eventually got a response from W. And that was where I did my first internship. How was that experience? It was fun. And it's fun looking back on it now because it was fashion and it was still sort of the height of the fashion magazine and I was working with Alex White who was the fashion director of W at the time so it just exposed me to a whole different way of photography the photography I had been used to was taking my own pictures but this was being on set and um, creating mood boards so I learned a lot and I think just even having that on my resume really helped uh, for the other future internships that I would do and, and for my career. It's something that I'm really glad that I did, but I had to work so hard to even get myself, even the internship, where I was surrounded by people who were so far ahead of me already because they had their own kind of privilege um, in the industry. Did you have any mentors along the way? Or were you very much kind of on your own path and just doing the work? 
You know, that's so interesting. I was talking with a close friend about it, um, who's also a woman of color. And I think this idea of mentorship, it's, it's almost something that I think is very difficult for me, like as a woman of color, because I just didn't really have that. I had to navigate systemic racism in different places and change jobs you know, in order to find a better fit, in order to be paid in an equitable way. So the mentorship model that I kind of saw was more, I think it lent itself more to, um, I don't know how to, I mean, to white editors. Mm. Because it goes back to that thing is who is, who is given the benefit of the doubt? Who are you investing in? And I think oftentimes that mentorship model did, I did not see it exist uh, for me as a woman of color. I was very fortunate because I have worked with people who have deeply inspired me. Anna Goldwater at Wired, Stacey Baker, who's at Apple. And I've been deeply inspired by the work that my peers do. Hanifa Harris is a photo editor. Well, she's a production campaign lead at Netflix. Oriana Corin is a photographer, but also an outspoken advocate. So I've had people who have really inspired me to come into my own and find my voice. But I've never, I wouldn't say I ever had like a mentor, someone guiding me through this. It's interesting to hear that the it sounds like the US is quite similar to the UK in that it's just so tough to break in. And I know I get a lot of DMs from aspiring editors asking, you know, how did how did you break in or, or have you got any advice? And I think it's it's one of the areas that I really struggle to advise on, other than kind of um building your own world, which is something that you've done, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yes. But I think that almost is the most liberating space to be now to kind of not be kind of constantly, I guess, yeah, throwing yourself at the gatekeepers and, and that and that continual frustration. Actually, I think let's build better systems ourselves because I'm not 100% sure the institutions are going to change as much as we'd like them to. I think we'll see some shift, but I'm not sure it'll be kind of exactly as kind of our generation really kind of, yeah, really where it wants it to be. So I think the best advice I have for people is always just to do your own thing, because you can really put your own stamp on that and tell the stories that are important to you. In navigating the industry for, a, you know, a decent amount of time, how have you kind of worked out your own metrics of success, both for yourself, but also in your commissioning practices? Because it can be so challenging. And especially because we are so aware that we're working in a broken system and there's only so far we can push it, even if, like you say, you are very, you know, you're confident in standing up and fighting for what you believe in. You know, that's such a great question. And I think that it's something that in terms of success, I'm only just discovering now creating my own space as you were talking about, because the reality is when we talk about success, when you're commissioning for a company, it's always kind of based on whatever the hierarchy, whatever the broken system that is currently in place within that company was just, it wasn't until I created my own space free of any barriers or gatekeepers 
where I was able to feel success because the work I was doing felt in alignment with my values. Yeah, let's talk about Listo because it's so incredible. It's your new kind of online platform, which is devoted to dismantling colonialism in photography by providing a space that really honours artists of colours and the stories they want to tell. I'd love to hear a little bit about its genesis. Yes, of course. So Listo is something that I have always, probably for the past five years, I've always wanted to create a space like Listo. I was extremely hesitant because I was so bogged down with my nine to five. I also had serious doubts because having been in the industry where I felt so invisible for quite a while and, you know, I just had a lot of doubts and I had never done anything like it before. Uh, Fortunately, I met a designer, Tiffany Chan, who was brilliant, who I was working with at the time. And when I met her, I knew that she was the person that I wanted to collaborate with to build the curatorial platform that I had been thinking of. And so it was something that I had been thinking about for a long time. And then in May, everything in my world sort of started falling apart. I got laid off. I lost a family member to COVID. I was just in, you know, the space of everything falling apart. And also there was all this momentum and and pain happening around George Floyd and Black Lives Matter movement in the U.S. And I was being pulled in a lot of different directions because there are people in the industry who were very angry and felt that it was the time to call out companies, call out people by names, you know, really hold people accountable. And for me, I felt that through doing Listo, that would be like my outlet and my form of protest and my way to channel my anger, but also excitement at all these incredible photographers who I have been trying to pitch for years (laughs) and so that is sort of the background of what fueled me to finally launch it because I had always known that I wanted to launch a curatorial platform that featured BIPOC artists and that was curated by me a woman of color um so that was really the impetus and what really fueled me too is that I was just like it's unacceptable to not have diverse photographers on your roster. It's just unacceptable. And to treat photographers as though they're not humans, to not have any interests, I mean, this to me is very tied to colonialism and the white gaze. And so everything I did with Listo was a very intentional of creating a space that is the opposite of some of the negative aspects of the industry I experienced. And what a powerful space it is. It must have been so liberating for you the day that you launched it, having all that sort of built up energy and passion and frustration for so long. Yeah, you know, it happened so quickly. And I think I was very nervous, you know, Um, and I was like, who's going to even look at this? But people are looking. And at the end of the day, for me, it's about the connection with the artists. I am so grateful. Um, 
for the time that they take to talk with me, the way they share their stories. And that for me has been so healing is listening to these artists and talking with them about how they navigate the industry. Because I think there is a lot of parallels, right, between what photographers are going through and what the editors are also going through in the industry. I think oftentimes it's seen maybe as we're on different sides, but I think there's actually um, quite a lot of similarities. Yeah, for sure. Can you can you talk about some of the photographers that you featured? Oh, I would love to. They're also wonderful. Um, most recently, I spoke with Bethany Mollenkoff, who's an LA-based photographer. Um, she has been documenting, well, she was documenting her pregnancy uh, during COVID and just gave birth about two months ago. Um, I've spoken with Chris Gregory Riviera, who is a Puerto Rican photographer, and he's done a lot of great work um, focusing on the impact of colonialism in Puerto Rico. Spoke with Adriana Lurero Fernandez, who is a Venezuelan-based artist who is committed to just documenting the realities of her country and is committed to documenting it until it gets better. Each artist, I mean, these are just some of them. I really encourage, you know, anyone to look through their work. For me, when I talk to these artists, it's artists who are absolutely devoted to representing their culture and their communities um, in a way that's really ethical and thoughtful and nuanced. And many of them I had never even met before. You know, I wouldn't say I knew, but I just created a space of let's just talk, you know, for an hour and get to know each other. And I really, my hope for that is to lead by example and to encourage people to move out of these mediocre hiring practices and approach people on a human level. And if you like someone's work, set time aside and talk with them. Yeah, 100%. I just think conversation is just so vital to this work. I think people always ask me, what do I spend most of my time doing? And I'm like, talking and listening to photographers. That That's the only way I think you can have a have a great meaningful career in this business now is really understanding how people work and how you can create space for them to make their best work. Yeah. Um, yeah, utterly. I think one of the other great things that I love about Listo is that it's quite hard as a photo director to show your style because you're often working underneath the magazine's agenda or the brand's agenda. So it might have some of you infused in, but it's not necessarily all of you because you're always navigating multiple stakeholders. Mm -hmm. But what the platform really does is show your style, which I think is just so beautiful. There's such an intimacy in everything that your eyes drawn to, even though it might be about, you know, radically different subject matter, that intimacy, that um, connection that the photographer has with uh, the communities that they're photographing is just so overwhelming. It kind of vibrates off the screen. And I just, I love seeing that so much because I think it's so hard for us to show, yeah, our style and, and, and the visual language that we are excited by as, as photo directors. 
Oh, well, thank you so much. I mean, I really put my heart into it. And it, and it is interesting because since it's it's sort of just me at this point curating it, I it just comes from what my eye is really drawn to in the stories. And it's it's definitely interesting to see. I, I, I'm noticing like, oh, wow, I like a lot of pictures where people have like, their eyes closed um, <laughs> or things like that, which is so funny. But um, it's also truly a cl- collaboration with the artists because I'm talking with them too about what kind of work do you want to show and what it's so much more interesting that way, right? When there aren't these rigid like yeah. stakeholders or it's kind of, what are you passionate about? What is important for you to express? Um, and I really hope that that starts to shift in the industry. Yeah, it kind of speaks to what you were saying earlier, actually, in terms of um, this like old school idea that there is a hierarchy between an editor and a photographer. And actually, I feel like, the best work is made where that there's there's a collapse there and actually everybody's on the same level sharing and talking and communicating together but there's so so much of the old school institution is about upholding that hierarchy for all the gross sort of power dynamic ways that it wants to manifest but I love your methodology with the site. I think it's so important to be having those two-way dialogues and really including the photographer in the curation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me too is just talking with photographers and finding out what their hopes and dreams are because it just helps you better assign. If you know that they're interested in a specific area or a subject, you know, for example, with Bethany, when I first spoke with her, I had seen that she was doing a project on midwives in the South. And I had followed up with her to just sort of ask her, well, what's happening now because of COVID? And she had expressed to me that she was working on this personal project that she just had not shared with anyone. When you really create space to talk with photographers and ask them what they're thinking about, what they're passionate about, there's so much good work that we like don't even get to see. Because it's funneled through these extremely rigid and problematic systems. Totally, totally. It, it's mad. And I think also photography is such an isolated profession. It's, you're really on your own a lot of the time. And while, you know, some photographers work in big crews when they're shooting, most of the time they're in their studio on their own going through this work, you know, having a crisis of confidence, going through that cycle of ideas where you think it's great and then the next day you think it's terrible. And it's just, um, I think it's so important that the photography community as a whole is more supportive of each other Mm. and more in dialogue to kind of break down some of these barriers because there's so much expectation or misinformation or as you as you kind of said at the top of the show kind of these barriers to entry and I just think being in community is a way that we can really dismantle some of this together and kind of rebuild as a generation kind of rebuild how we see the industry should work and it's just yeah I think it's just so so vital for this incredible industry and it's such a privilege to work in this industry um, but for it to evolve in the way that it should for sure. I would love to know if you feel like you have learned anything so far uh, working on Listo and kind of what your vision is for it going forward. I learn something every time I do a post it's very humbling I because I'm so new to this, but I think for me, 
the biggest takeaway is we have to diversify image making in order to change the way that we see ourselves in order to change the way that we see each other it is so important to have different perspectives and different cultures in the mix i i knew about it before and i i felt that way but actively creating the space and talking with artists for me that's the biggest learning is that it just has such a huge impact when we amplify the voices of diverse storytellers and for me going forward i have huge hopes for it i'm trying to figure out working out with a book publisher to hopefully publish um some books from some of the series that we featured. I'm also planning on doing group curated online shows based on themes. So my vision is really just to keep up lifting um, different artists and introducing them to the world in a way that, you know, speaks their truth and isn't just swiping through imagery that is really a way to to get to know these artists. And that's my vision. And I'm learning so much. It's so exciting. I can't wait. I wait to see how it evolves. And the publishing idea sounds great. That's so, so exciting. Yeah, it's definitely an idea at this point, but I'm working on making it happen. I'd love to talk a little bit about your collaboration process when you're working and assigning photographers. Could you talk a little bit about what you think makes a good pitch and what you look for in a photographer's approach when they kind of want to work with you? Yeah, so I think the first thing when it comes to pitching is just being drawn to photographers who have done their research on where I'm working or what they're pitching for. You know, when I was in editorial, if if I was working at Wired or different publications, like it's really important for the photographer to obviously to know what was in our most recent issue or what our fall issue is like. And pitching work that is relevant to that is a huge first step. And also... What I also suggest is kind of approaching it as a conversation. I think sometimes with pitching, there can be this sort of all or nothing of, oh, I sent the pitch. They didn't get back to me. A lot of times the hiring and commissioning process, I mean, it can take time. So I really recommend for photographers to kind of approach it as a way of trying to introduce and build a relationship you know, with an editor, because it's very rare that someone just pitches to us and then right away we're able to commission the pitch. Yeah, I think what you said in terms of making space is so important as well. It's you need to make space for the magazine's agenda and the photo director's agenda within your pitch by, yeah, just leaving a bit of room, like thinking about it as more of like a kernel of an idea that is exciting and dynamic. And as you said, is well researched and kind of could potentially fit well with the magazine, but also just leaving space for that collaborative process and how, you know, the insight and the access that the photo director can bring to the project when when you're working together. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And oftentimes too, I mean, I've had people pitch me and even if it's not something that's a fit 
for the company I'm working for, I'll recommend it to another photo editor, you know, so there's more room, you know, than I think people might think. Yeah. It it doesn't have to be so, so rigid. You know, if, if you're being really thoughtful about your pitch, if your work is good, you know, we're going to see it and we're going to talk about it. It just might take time. Yeah. Time is something really important, I think, to remember in a photographer's career, because I think there's so much pressure now to, you know, be doing massive jobs by the time that you're 25. I feel like I say this on the podcast all the time, but it's so true. Like Mm -hmm. people feel so much pressure to be fully evolved and 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 um articulated as an artist as well as working with all of the right brands and all mm-hmm. of the right magazines and it's you know it takes time as you said it's absolutely about relationship building it's not just about great ideas it's it is about you know building those meaningful relationships with people who often when you get that connection with a photo editor as well they will continue to lift and support you as they are able throughout their career as well oh, so yeah. it's certainly not something that happens and then that's it absolutely and i mean it's something i experience with listo because there's starting to be crossover with my work with listo and my own professional career where when i'm working with these photographers i'm also recommending them to assignments and I think it's so much too like instead of focusing so much on the big name company is try to really connect with editors who you see commissioning work that impresses you that aligns with your values because that makes so much of a difference if if you just want to work for a big name company because it's a big name company I think it's going to be a really different experience. Like find editors that you're really, you feel that you can connect to. You're listening to The Messy Truth, conversations on photography. Something that always comes up for me when I'm talking to photographers just starting out is is trying to untangle their desire to work with brands and magazines, you know, that really excite them, but actually thinking about where their work Mm. fits. Because it, the, those things are not necessarily connected, not all the time anyway. And and paying attention and doing that research is so valuable because it gives the photographers not just a better chance of success when they're pitching and connecting with people, but it ensures that they have such a strong sense of who they are as image makers. They really understand where they fit in the landscape. And I think that's reassuring to us as photo directors because we want to feel like the image makers we work with are a safe pair of hands that they know themselves mm. that they feel confident in the space that they occupy so they can bring their best work yeah it's so interesting there's so much nuance to this which i think doesn't get talked about enough these these relationships between picture editor and and photographer and all the dynamics within it do you see any common mistakes over and over again yes that you could kind of shed a bit of light on <laughs> i would say you know It's not even just pitching. It's also so much of our work as photo editors is we're constantly looking, you know, it's a two-way street, right? Like, it's not just that the photographers have to pitch. It's like, we're constantly, like, we are looking, we want photographers. (laughs) And if you don't have your website up to date, if you don't have your email on your website, it's really difficult. Um, And we're moving so quickly at times, right? If someone doesn't have like their email and I have to like 
try to go down a rabbit hole on Instagram and DM them to try to find it. You know, just try to set yourself up for success and have your email on your website. If you can't keep your website up to date, try to, Instagram is really great too. Um, I think those would be kind of the two major things. It's also generally really helpful to know like where you're generally located. Oh, <laughs> this is my biggest bugbear. This is my biggest bugbear. And I try to be understanding because I do know it's sort of this weird catch-22. If you put a place and maybe the fear is that, you know, they're not going to commission you to travel. But the reality of the situation, we're in a pandemic, like we're not going to be booking anyone to be like traveling outside of where they live. So please put where you live or where you're based out of. And now that I think that it's so interesting with Listo, because so much of like every single artist that I feature, it's for me, so much of the conversation is about where they are based and where they're from. So that like immediately informs the work. And it is definitely helpful, I think, for all photographers to just offer, you know, their authentic selves up and say where they live or where they're from. Because I, it it is exhausting. I feel like a stalker on Instagram, you know, I'm like, (laughs) maybe they're here. I don't know. You know, the last post is, yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. It's so funny that it's such a universal bugbear. Um, I'd love to hear your advice um, that you'd give photographers in regard to their approach to a commissioner like yourself in terms of what do you want to see? Do you want them to reach out to you with a portfolio, with a specific project? Um, how do you feel about, you know, mailers and promotional tools? Oh, that's so interesting. I I think now, since I have not been in the office for quite some time, the the age of mailers and all of that seems so long ago. I love seeing people's personal projects. Um, I think it's a really great way for me to be introduced to what they're interested in, their style. Um, you know, as we talked about just doing research before pitching, I'm also really actually highly suggest for photographers to set up meetings for just portfolio reviews. There's been probably four or five people that I've I've featured in Liso and will hopefully be working with also outside of Liso in professional capacity. And many of them I met through portfolio reviews. They came in and showed their work and that that to me is how I prefer to see work is like talking with a person about their work, seeing it and seeing a wide range, but it's so hard because it just, it varies so much. And that's how I would um, suggest to approach it. Just like with curiosity and without pressure. I think, I think there's room for a bit of lightness. It can be so, serious and and intense in our industry and I would love for there to just be like more space or and also to approach it as like wanting feedback I think it's really hard when a conversation is approached of like well here's my work like will you hire me Mm. I think it's much more helpful to be really intentional about what your expectations are and what kind of feedback you're looking for so that 
you can accomplish what it is that you hope to. Yeah, I think setting intentions is a really great bit of advice for sure. Kind of really thinking about what you want to get out of that portfolio yeah. review and, and and what that particular editor based on their background can offer mm-hmm. you I always say to people just ask so many questions in those scenarios because it's such a precious time like don't don't be passive really you know I always recommend people really grill the photo editors you know what themes are they working on what issues have they got coming up exactly. like try and find opportunities there try and find a connection yeah what are you working on what's coming up like are you licensing imagery or well I mean there's such a good opportunity right now I mean and always to license your work for big companies what do you have sitting in the archive find out what it is that they're working on and how you can fit versus just look at this project and based on that hire me or don't you know it's it has to be more of a two-way conversation. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Um, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on kind of how you envision the future of commissioning, because I think in many ways the system has remained the same for years and, and we've really lacked imagination around its possibilities to function in different ways and to be funded in different ways. Um, I guess that latter point is is particular about editorial, Mm. but what change do you see or feel that is urgent and how would you like to see the work that we do evolve? Yeah, it's such a huge thing. And for me, I think for there to be actual evolution and meaningful change in the industry, it's not enough for uh, editors to just be hiring BIPOC photographers you know, and having them on a list, I think it's about shifting the whole system. And it's also about empowering diverse designers, curators, and editors. I mean, the whole system really has to evolve. And I think I'm really feeling quite optimistic because I see it happening. And it's definitely quite slow and has a long way to go but at the same time I also see people empowered and doing their own side projects and creating spaces that align with how they would like the industry to evolve and I think as those voices and those visuals get louder and more prominent that people are really going to have to step up or step aside Absolutely. I always think of Campbell Addy um, in situations like this, because I feel like he was such a trailblazer in that he, you know, had all of this frustration about the lack of diversity in in photography when he was a student. And he so as soon as he graduated, he set up his own magazine where he could curate the agenda, bring in the photographers, stylists makeup artists, hair people, set people that he felt were underrepresented, which was an incredible platform, which is still a success today. Mm -hmm. But also he started his own model agency with an incredible um, array of diverse talent from, from all over the world. And that has grown to be such a successful business. And he was... He was really pretty in the UK or in Europe, really. He was 
he was the only person doing that then. And you think, you know, that was maybe four or five years ago. Mm. And at first, you know, nobody paid much attention and then it just exploded. And it's just so, I think your message essentially to like build your own worlds is just one that is so powerful. And, and as you just said, it can really have radical change in making the institution shift because they're going to have to catch up. And that will, that's how the dynamic's going to shift. I think so many people will be focused on these new worlds and new ideals and new modalities that eventually, and, and we've seen this, you know, in the art space with museums to some degree, you know, the paradigm will have to shift because the audience is changing and the the demands that, you know, new audiences want are are ringing loud and clear and so the shift has to happen yeah I think it's so exciting I think it's so exciting too because I see it I see people demanding more yeah you know they're not satisfied with just using the same photographers they're not satisfied with not seeing themselves represented and I am so inspired by all those who came before me who have been pushing this, you know, I'm not the only person who has been doing this. There's so many incredible people who have been fighting for this fight since this, you know, since photography began. So absolutely, it's just a continuation of that. And I think a huge part of it too, is really asking ourselves hard questions and being critical, right? Who is on your mood board versus who is on your creative team? It's great if you have a mood board that's like really diverse, but it's like if your creative team is not representative, if your inner circle is not diverse, then the change is not really happening. Absolutely. Sarah, I, that's all, the, all of my questions, but I always like to ask people, is there something you feel like we haven't covered that is, is really important to cover? Just a huge gratitude um, to every single photographer out there who is persisting and making great work. I really, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I'm able to do what I do because there are such incredible artists. So I, yeah, just really that. Yeah, that's a lovely note to end on. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been so great talking to you. Thanks for listening to The Messy Truth. You can find more information about today's guests in the show notes. Theme music is changed by Judd Greenstein from the album Awake and design is by Ruby White. You can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at Jem Fletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at jemfletcher.com. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts.